Good evening. Each time that we're able to gather here, I'm encouraged and thankful to be a part of the body of Christ and to have each one of you as brothers and sisters in it. What I want to discuss for a little bit this evening is nothing new, but it has certainly been beneficial to me and I hope that you're able to take something from it that will help you in your walk and in your service to God. It's been about four or five years since I last spoke on the home and in that time we've added two kids and there's been changes there. They've grown and matured. Maddie and myself have grown and matured and our oldest daughter was baptized and has begun her walk with Christ. There's been different challenges. There's been different struggles. All of this to say that there has been changes in that time and I think it's important to look at the needs of my home. I think about and pray about this often and often fail at implementing it but I think about my role and what my children need from me as their father to help them succeed as they age and mature so that they can live a successful life in Christ. So what I want to look at for a little bit tonight is the father that our children need us to be. This lesson is certainly not intended to negate or lessen the role of the mother because they are vital to the home. But I do want to look specifically at the role of fathers this evening. There's many distractions in our world. Hugh talked about that for a little bit this morning. And these distractions do not discriminate because we're young or old, because we've been a Christian for five days or maybe 50 years. Distractions are ever before us, and this is certainly true for fathers. In Scripture, we're commanded to provide for the physical needs of our family. We're to provide food and clothing, and we do this through working and earning an income from that work. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily unto the Lord and not unto man. Do we take our command to work too far? I know that I have. I'm not suggesting that we be lazy. But what I would say is that we need to find some balance. We don't need to swing the pendulum from one end to the other. The scripture says that we need to work hard and provide. But what it does not say is that we need to work seven days a week 365 days a year, leave the house before everyone's up, and come home once they're asleep. All in the name of providing. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Fathers, provoke not your children unto wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If the scripture tells us that we're to work hard and that we're also to train and to raise our children, then there must be a way to do both of these things in a way that would honor God. We can do this by diligently striving to remove earthly distractions and replacing them with an eternal perspective. For fathers, an earthly distraction is oftentimes a commandment from God that we take too far, and that's working. There are definitely seasons in work, such as farming, whenever you're harvesting and things like that, and also other professions where there's busy seasons. And that's not what I'm talking about, but rather the intense desire to work all the time. I've never actually said these things out loud that I'm about to say, but with words like, this is what I'm all about, or this is my desire. But my actions at times have certainly shown or modeled this thought. That I'm more focused on the income of my home, the things that I can provide, the things that I can acquire, rather than the outcome of my home, the children that I've been entrusted with, to train up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 16 and 17 says, 
Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened calf with hatred. This scripture does not say that you have a little because you're lazy and you don't work hard and that the one that might have a lot has worked hard. But rather what this scripture does teach is a simple fact that where our treasure is, where our priorities are, there will our heart be. It's better to have a little in the fear of the Lord, a knowledge of who he is and who we are before him, than it is to have a lot in the trouble that it can create. My goal in this lesson is to help me as a father and any other father that can gain something from this study to remember that our children need us to model before them a godly life. They need instruction on how to live a godly life themselves. And they need continual discussion to help them as they navigate the difficulties that this life will surely put before them. They need us to spend time with them. And we cannot do these things if we are rarely at home with them or if they are rarely at work with us. This is not an exhaustive list of everything that our children need from us, but I do believe these things are foundational things that our children need from us as their fathers. My goal is to help move us closer to God's desire for what a father should look like rather than the, the definition that the world gives us of what a good father is. And so who better to look to than God our Father for what a father should be and do for his children? I want to look at John chapter 3.16 for a minute. Most of us know this scripture by heart. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I think most of us get the same thing out of this passage, that God loves us and that he gave his son Jesus to die on a cross and shed his blood so that our sins could be washed away, and that if we would submit to him, that he is faithful to give us a home with him in heaven when this life is over. And certainly this is what this scripture teaches and what we should get out of it. But for a minute, I'd like to look at it through the lens of a father and see what we can learn. First, it says, for God so loved the world. God loved this world, not the physical structure of it, not the world itself, but rather those that inhabit it. God did all that he did out of love for mankind so that we might be reconciled to him and be his children. My children need to know that I love them. They need to know that I love them, they need to see that I hear, love them, and they need to hear that I love them. We know and we can see and hear that God loves us here in this verse that was spoken to us by his son. Second, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. God loved us and because of his love for us, he gave us his son. Without the shed blood of Jesus, we are undone and without hope. The Old Testament tells us that the blood of bulls and goats could not remove our sins from us. All it could do was roll them forward. The only thing that can remove our sins from us is the blood of a perfect and blameless and sinless sacrifice. And the only person capable of fitting that bill is Jesus. So God gave him to us. My children need to know that I'm willing and ready to give to them, that I desire to give to them good things, things that will help them spiritually and emotionally and physically. They are all important, but we need to keep them in their proper perspective, giving more and more emphasis on the spiritual versus the decaying. In Jeremiah chapter 9, we can read about a people that were disobedient to God, and because of that, it brought about judgment on them. In Jeremiah chapter 9 and verses 23 and 24, 
It says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Are we helping our children see what is truly valuable? Earthly wisdom, strength, and riches are not worthy to be gloried in. I want to give my children the tools and the resources and the ability to use deductive reasoning to come to the conclusion that the only thing worth glorying in is that they understand God or to be circumspect and intelligent in Him and His Word and that they know and recognize Him as God. The third thing that we can gain from this scripture is that whoever believes in him. God loves us and he gave his son for us so that through Jesus we could be reconciled to him. And then it says whoever believes in him. In order to accept God's love for us and to be clothed in the blood of his son Jesus, there's a requirement on our part. We must believe. God requires that we must believe in order to accept the gift of his son and all that he has prepared for us. Just as God has particular requirements for us, my children need to know that there's certain things that I require of them. God made it clear what the requirement for us was to be able to receive this gift and what he has prepared for us. And our requirements for our children need to be the same. They need to be clear and consistent. The last thing that we can learn from this scripture, I believe, through the lens of a father, is that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God did all that he did so we could be reconciled to him and spend eternity with him in heaven. It's truly amazing whenever you sit back and look at the great lengths that God went to when he looked at this earth and said, but if a few will submit to my son, it's worth it. Look at all that God has done in preparing a future for you with him if you would submit to him. As a father, I want my children to know that my greatest desire is to help them prepare for their future. If I do my job in a way that honors God, I have the ability to help shape and mold them through scripture to help them become what God desires for them to be and that's faithful to him until death. God has prepared a future for all of his children in heaven when this life is over. But he's also prepared a future for us that starts when we submit to him in baptism. At that point, we are a new creation. The old man has been put to death and the new man has come forth. I want my children to know and appreciate the responsibilities and the benefits and the blessings of the kingdom here as well as their hope of a home in heaven with him. We've looked at these four points of what a father should be and do for his children. A father should love his children. He should desire to give his children good things. He should have requirements of them and he should help them prepare for their future. There are several verses that we could go to to look at how a father might implement these things, but the one I'd like to use tonight is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Here it says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life. 
and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly. The Lord God of, our, of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently unto your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I believe that if we as fathers will implement this passage into the way that we live daily, our children will know that we love them. They'll know that we desire to give them important tools and instruction. They'll definitely understand that we require certain things of them to, and to live in a particular way. And they will know that we're helping them prepare for their future. But how will they know this? Because they will hear us say it and they will know and see that we are dedicated dedicated to God and to them through the way that we live. Our children are not dumb. If this is not how we strive to live daily, if it's important to us at certain times and in certain places, but at other times it's not, then we will train our children through our actions to become lukewarm or even indifferent. We want to train our children to be on fire for God. And this takes patience, perseverance, work, and intentionality. Deuteronomy 6 verse 1 says, Now this commandment, now this is the commandment rather, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them. This verse teaches us that we need to observe the commandments of God. The word observe here is stated in the King James as do. Israel was commanded to do or to practice the decrees and commandments given to them. They were commanded to do this before they passed them on to their children. Verses 6 and 7 says here, And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. They were commanded to observe these commandments so that they might be right before God, but also so they might model this before their children. I want you to think for a minute of what your children see when they step back and observe your actions in your everyday life. I know for me that there are times I wish they were kind of like an etch sketch board and I could pick them up and shake them and erase it from their memory. But we can't do this, can we? What we can do, though, is always be sure to confess to them when we sin and they see us do it. A pretty profound thing can happen in this moment. They can observe one of two things. They can either see that what Dad says we should do and how he says we should act does not apply to him, and that when he sins, it's really not that big a deal. Or they can see us model this before them, the ability to humble ourselves and show them a humble and contrite spirit, which we desire, to the which we desire for them to have before God. Our goal is to get them to a place where they trust and submit to God and his lordship through learning to submit to us. But how are we going to do this and, and help them get to this place where they trust and submit to God if they don't trust us? Because what we model before them and what we say with our words don't line up. 
I'm not suggesting that we'll ever be perfect in this area, but what I would submit to you is that when you mess up, when they see you sin, confess it to them. That builds trust and confidence in you with your children. They see that you're not perfect and they know that you will admit whenever you've messed up and that when you do sin, they'll see you confess it and get back up and to continue to fight the good fight. Jesus modeled perfection to his apostles, and that obviously goes without saying, but what he modeled before them was evident in their lives to others. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13 it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John speaking of the council that they were talking to, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. If you continue to read this chapter, you'll see that the council talks amongst themselves. And they said, what are we going to do with these guys? This miracle they performed, it's awesome and everybody knows it and even our, we ourselves cannot deny it. So they came up with a plan and they brought Peter and John before them and commanded them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And Peter and John's response was, we cannot help but talk about what we have seen and what we have heard. You think Jesus modeled something pretty amazing before them? Of course he did. Again, verse 13 says, When the council saw the boldness that they spoke with, they knew that these men had been with Jesus. In verse 20, their response was that we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. When we read that the council knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus based on what they were teaching, we know that there was someone who modeled this to them. And when we read that they couldn't help but speak of it, then we know that what was modeled before them was implanted to them. They modeled what they saw because Jesus lived the things he taught. Modeling what we want our children to become can be successful whenever truth and consistency are present. And this is what we want as fathers. We want our children to see that what we teach them is how we strive to live. And that as they go out into the world, that they would model this before their peers and all those that they're around. Not that they would model us, but that they would model themselves after the teachings of Jesus as we ourselves strive to implement that in our life. The apostles' lives were completely changed by what Jesus modeled to them. The hearts of our children can be transformed by the teaching of Jesus if we as fathers will model to them a life that is under his lordship in the way we act and how we live. There is absolutely no substitute for fathers that live a godly life before their children. Our children need to see us as their fathers relying on the word of God and coming to him in prayer. God knows that we do not have all the answers that this life will throw at us. But our role as a father is to point our children to God who does have all the answers. Psalms 127 and verse 4 says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Our job is to diligently and earnestly point our children to God. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 says, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and search the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into every good work. 
And 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Do our children see us daily reading the Bible or consuming sermons through podcasts? Do they see us equipping ourselves in the Word of God so that we're prepared to live a life that honors Him? Do they see us praying? We do not need to miss this opportunity to be this for our children. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 26 says, In the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The faith that we have and model before them can be a refuge for our children. Refuge means hope, hope, shelter, and trust. Everything that we want our children to have in us can only be accomplished through the fear of the Lord, a reverence of who He is and who we are before Him. The second thing that I believe that we can implement from these verses is that we are to instruct our children. Again, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and the first part of 7, it says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Psalms 119, verses 10 and 11 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Fathers, are we seeking with our entire being each day to seek God and strive to live for Him? Is our prayer that we would not forsake what He has taught us and instructed us to be as His children and as fathers to those that He has entrusted to us? Are we storing up God's Word in our hearts so that we can diligently and earnestly teach these things to our children? I want to use football as an example for a moment, and you could pick anything, I suppose, but this is an easy one for this time of year. There's, there's several guys here that I'm quite certain could tell you nearly every NFL player on nearly every NFL team what their jersey number is, what their position is, and how well they think they'll do this week on their fantasy team based on past performances. And I certainly don't believe there's anything wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with enjoying football and having a great knowledge of it. But my point behind this example is that we all have certain hobbies and we all have interests. And with that, we have the great ability to store an inordinate amount of information. How important is God's word to us? How much room are we using to store and internalize and make application with his word? Are we prepared to instruct our children in the word of God and what he expects of us? of what he requires of us, of his love and his gracey, gracey, of his love and his grace and his mercy towards us. First Peter chapter three and verse 15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to any man that ask a, hope, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This verse is not speaking specifically to fathers, but the instruction is certainly applicable. When our children have been at school or spending time with friends and they run up to us and Say, hey, Dad, why is, why is this wrong? Or why do you believe X, Y, or Z? Are we ready and prepared to give them an answer? Are we glad to tell them of the hope that we have in us because of what God did for us through His Son, Jesus? And because of what He did for us, we willingly submit to Him and we're compelled to serve Him. And because of our desire to serve Him, our goal is to submit to Him and His will that we find in His Word. And his word teaches that this is wrong, son. 
or his word teaches that this is why we do X, Y, or Z. We need to be prepared as fathers. The responsibility of instructing our children has been placed in our hands by God, and we can see this in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that we've read. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. And I love these verses because it paints a beautiful picture of a father that loves and cares for his child deeply. He wants his child to listen to him so that he can gain understanding through the instruction that he's about to tell him. And we can see that recorded following uh, later on in this chapter. And that this instruction, if he will listen to it and apply it, it'll be a blessing to him through his entire life. But not only will it be a blessing to him through his life, because if Solomon passes it on like his father David did, then it can be a blessing to future generations. Verse 4 tells us that when Solomon was a boy, that his dad taught him the same thing. If we are diligent in our instruction, then it has the potential to be a blessing for generations. This chapter shows how important it is to seek wisdom. It also shows that a child can have confidence that his father is a source of wisdom if he's living his life for God. I'm sure that I could ask my dad or David Pinkerton or my grandmother or any person in this audience that's lost their earthly father. If they remember instruction, advice, and wisdom that they gave to you. And I know that you would have plenty to say because I know that they loved you and they spent time in God's word with you. Admonishing you and instructing you in it. When our fathers are gone from this earth... Their wisdom that they spoke to us through their life experiences and the decisions that they made will stay with us. Their advice in scripture, their insights how to raise a family that will honor God, their encouragement to continue to fight the good fight of faith will continue to help shape and mold us to what God has called us to be in him. Fathers, do not neglect the great opportunity that you have before you to help the next generation that we are in charge of become Christians that are faithful to the end. Ephesians chapter 6 again, verse 4 says, And you fathers do not provoke your children unto wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3 and 21, Fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. This instruction is given specifically to fathers. Why do you think that is? Do we have the tendency, if not worked against, to teach and instruct and discipline in ways that would enrage our children or cause them to become discouraged? I know that I can look at my years of parenting and see that I have, and that I have to fight against these tendencies and make sure that in each of these areas I parent in love. We do not want our children to be robots from a young age, and especially as they grow up too, that obey so they're not prodded to anger or made sad. Our goal should bring, be to bring them up in the nurture, the training, and the admonition of the Lord in love. Our desire should be to develop a heart in our children that obeys and is true to the living God. The goal is that they would love God with all their heart, soul, 
mind and strength. And the likelihood of that happening if we teach and instruct them out of frustration or anger that makes them become angry or sad is really slim. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1, and 3, 1 through 3 says, Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If we are a father to our children the way God's word has instructed us, and we do it in truth and love, do you think that will help our children lay aside the characteristics of the world? Deceit, hypocrisy, evil speaking? Yeah, I think it'll probably help them. As they grow and mature and as you parent them in truth and love, do you think they will desire God and his word? I think more often than not that's the case. You can look in this crowd tonight and see multiple generations of families and what a blessing that is. Fathers, do you think that our children would say to others outside of our presence that because of the way that we have loved them and modeled a godly life to them and instructed and discussed God's word with them, spent time with them, that they have tasted that the Lord is gracious or good? The word tasted means experienced. Have they experienced the goodness of God because of the way that you have been a father to them? As fathers, we have the ability to help them go from a place where from a young age they've been made to be under our authority to them choosing to willingly come under the authority of God. And what a blessing that is when they choose that. The third thing I believe we can implement from this verse is that we are to discuss with our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 7 says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them. It says that we are to diligently teach these to our children. The word uh, teach means to goad or diligently instruct. Then right after that, we're told that we're to talk of them. The word talk here in Strong's has several different things that it says about it, but it's to speak or to answer, command, give. The fact is, is teaching and talking are two separate words. As important as it is for us to instruct them in more of a formal format to where we talk and they listen and soak it in, it's equally as important for us to talk about God and His Word in more of a casual conversation way in everyday situations that arise. After it says we are to talk to them, we're told then when we're to do it. It says when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. The idea that is gleaned from this scripture is that we should seize any and every opportunity to apply the word of God in each situation that we are in. Things in nature, um, as you're going on vacation or something and you go through different geographical changes, the weather, the stars, there's an abundance of things that we could talk about, but all of these are great opportunities to point the minds of our children back to God. Part of the reason that we talk about the scriptures and God and his promises and his commands to us throughout our day is to show our children that the life of a Christian and the desire to live close to him does not happen only on a Sunday. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
We are plainly told here that our lives should be a living sacrifice to God. And certainly that's the only response we should have when we consider all that he has done for us. Christ should be seen in us all throughout our day, just like in Acts chapter 4 where we read that it was obvious that these men had been with Jesus. It should be obvious in our lives that we're, con that we're under the authority of him. In order that we don't become like the world and value the things of it, we must continually renew our minds so that we can examine or discern what God's perfect will is for us. One of the best ways we can do this is by talking about God's word and the pr principles contained therein with our children throughout the day. Another reason we talk with our children about the truths that we can read about in his word is to encourage them and comfort them. As fathers, our duty is to love and to lead our children, and we can do this through encouragement, comfort, and continually helping them to live in a manner that honors God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is what we're working toward helping our children move closer to God. And this is what we want to see happen when we have these daily discussions with them about his word. And we can see that in the very next verse, in, in verse 13, there in 1 Thessalonians 2, it says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Don't forget to give God thanks and praise when our children do things that honor him and ultimately when they receive his word and it works on their heart. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 24 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. As we talk about the scriptures with our children, we're clinging to that hope that we have. And because God is faithful to do what he said he would, then we consider our children. We look at their needs. We recognize the strengths they have. And we also look at the weaknesses and struggles that they have. And we encourage them to love and service as they strive to live for God. The last thing that we can implement from this verse is that we should spend time with our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7 says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. I don't remember who told this story when they were preaching, but I believe it was at a gospel meeting that we had not all that long ago. And they told a story about a man that took his boy fishing. And the boy was excited. Boys love to spend time with their dads. And he was looking forward to it, and he went out, and they fished, and he had a great day, and he was excited to get back home and write in his journal that evening. And when he got to his room, he wrote in his journal, this was the best day ever. I got to fish with my dad. Years later, his dad had died, and he saw his dad's journal, and he was thinking about the good times they had, and he was reminded of that day that they spent together, and, and he remembered it being such a great day, and he wanted to see what his dad said. When he went and looked at his dad's journal, he said, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. That's heartbreaking. I pray I never give my children the impression that spending time with them is fruitless or boring. 
That is some of my most favorite memories is when I am with them. Once again, these verses show a great deal of time spent with our children. It shows different times throughout the day. And I know that we all have jobs and different obligations, but the point is that we need to be intentional with the time that we have and learn to make time for them. If you, cannot, if you can take your kids to work with you, then you should do it. Those are some of my fondest memories as a kid, getting to go to work with my dad. There was a lot of fun time had, but there was also a lot of time spent in discussion on why we live the way we live, the things we think, the way we act, because of how God's word tells us we should. Take the opportunities presented to you to spend time with your kids. It goes by quick. It's hard to believe that I've been a dad for nearly 11 years. As we spend time with our kids, we need to learn to ask good, thought-provoking questions. More often than not, in Scripture, when we see Jesus presented with a question, he often answers that question with a question. He did this because he wanted people to learn how to think. And this is what we need to do if we want to help instill a faith in our children that's theirs and not ours. We need our children to learn to think for themselves. In order for them to do that, we need to equip them early in the Word of God. We need to do this to help them grow and process it and learn to work through it ultimately so they are grounded in it. Spending time with our children is a great way to pass on the values and principles that we hold to that are contained in God's Word. I'm sure each of us have heard the saying that quality of time with our children is more important than quantity of time. We don't need to buy into this thought process. More often than not, not always, but more often than not, it's a cop-out statement used to justify being selfish and spending our time the way that we would like to. Our kids need quality time from us in large quantities. When you're with your children, remind them when they wake up in the morning of Psalms 118 and verse 24, it says, This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What better way to spend time with your kids than impressing upon them that everything they have and every time that they wake up, it's a blessing from God. After your children wake up and you go outside to do chores with them or whatever it is that you do in your house, and for us lately we've been breaking ice and water troughs, so as you're walking out there and you look down at your feet, maybe you're reminded of Psalms 119-105 where it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Take these opportunities throughout your day as you're doing things that remind you of a scripture. Tell your kids that scripture and have a discussion with them. There's endless ways that we can spend good one-on-one -on -one time with our children that count and will help draw them closer to God. One last way I believe that is a beneficial way to spend time with our kids is to spend time praying for our kids in their presence and also when we're by ourselves. I'm sure all, all of us have heard the saying, well, I guess all we can do now is pray, as if prayer is a last resort. My hope is that each of us are already praying for our children each and every day, but if you're, but if you're not, please start. When our children are going through difficulties and they're struggling, pray for them. When we come to God in prayer, it allows us to release our worry and fear and to lay it at His feet. When our children are doing well and making good decisions, don't forget to give God thanks and praise for that. In Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 19, David says here, 
And give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statutes, to do all things and to build the temple for which I made provision. In this chapter, David is offering praise to God, and he's praying before an assembly of people. In this prayer, he prays for his son Solomon as he's about to be made king, to have a heart that's loyal to God, to keep his word, and to do it. Not only did David pray for his son, but he prayed for him where he could hear it. I believe that when our children know that we pray for them each day and they hear us pray for them, they will know that they're loved and valued, which helps to build their faith in God. I want to close with 3 John verse 4. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I realize that the context of this verse is not that of a father-child relationship, but the truth contained in the statement certainly um, can, we can relate to as fathers. As I stated at the beginning of this lesson, my goal was to help us as fathers be reminded of the great task before us and to help equip us to work at this duty faithfully so that we can experience the great joy of knowing that our children are living faithfully for God and walking in his ways. At this time, we'll offer the invitation of Christ if you've been taught and desire to submit your life to him, we would invite you to come to the front. Also, if there's one that needs the prayers of the church, we'd ask you to come too for, as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.